What is up? It's the rant. My name is Jeff Radcliffe, and it is Tuesday, August 10th. And we've all been there, man. We've all been there. We're prepping for our fantasy football drafts at this time of the year, but when you get there on draft day, well, things change a little bit, don't they? When you're in the heat of the moment, some of what you prep for doesn't happen. You start forgetting things, and by the end of the draft, you end up making some mistakes as a result. I've had this happen to me more times than I could count way back in the day. And so one uh, little tactic that I developed to help me avoid making those mistakes was put together a little checklist, the draft day checklist, 10 things that I want to accomplish at all of my fantasy football drafts, regular leagues. This doesn't apply to like IDP and things like that. But generally speaking, your regular league. So any regular league for me would be a PPR league, non-PPR, half-point PPR, and of course, super flex or two-quarterback, depending on the size of your league. Uh, if you want super flex strategy, by the way, go back and listen to yesterday's podcast. So why I did this is, you know, again, in the heat of battle, you forget things sometimes. And, and there's so much going on that you don't want to forget, but you do. Right, It's just a part of the process, unfortunately. So I put together this little checklist to kind of remind me through the process of, oh, yes, I wanted to get that done. I wanted to accomplish this. Uh, These are things I want to focus on, that sort of thing. So I want to share that with you today. And if you actually want the the list itself, uh, it is over at ftnfantasy.com. But I wanted to just sort of talk through the thought process behind it on today's podcast since we were like in the heart, obviously, a fantasy football draft season. The whole idea, though, generally speaking for me, with a fantasy football draft is to keep things as simple as possible. Because if, you, if you're if you surrounded by too much information, you're going to very likely make mistakes. And that's what I mean, you know, being in the heat of battle, you don't want to be overloaded, right? The old adage, keep it simple, stupid, right? K-I-S-S, great advice. Hurts my feelings every time. But it is, it's fantastic advice. Keep it as simple as possible because really all all we want to do is make optimal decisions every step of the way. I mean, really in fantasy football as a whole, but especially on draft day, optimal decisions, make your opponents pay for mistakes and create the best possible roster you can on draft day. So this list will help you keep your eyes on the prize and focus on what you need to do. Of course, I also recommend using my draft board in conjunction with, One sheet, man. One sheet. You don't need 50,000 pieces of paper. You don't need a binder. You don't need a magazine with all kinds of tabs in it. You don't need, well, a bunch of browser tabs open. Just one sheet. And then this checklist will help you keep your eyes on the prize. So let's go through these 10 items here on the draft day checklist. Uh, The number one thing I want to do is draft for value in the first five rounds and not lock into positions. I can't tell you how many times I've seen people do this. I get asked it all the time. I've already said it on this podcast. Jeff, should I draft a running back in the first round and then a wideout in the second? And then maybe should I just get George Kittle in the third? Not only are we locking into a position there, we're locking into a darn player. Would you draft George Kittle in the third? I don't know. Who else is there, right? We're failing to account for the fact that we can't actually predict what's going to happen on draft day. And you could mock till your heart's content, but you're not going to be able to accurately predict even the first round of your stinking draft, much less the thir- first three rounds, right? So if you lock into a position, I say, yes, you absolutely must take a wide receiver in the second round. Well, what happens if like 
I don't know, Jonathan Taylor is there and it's the middle of the second round, which could very well happen. He is way, way undervalued there. You're scooping up value in that spot. You are absolutely scooping up value. You can't predict that happening. It happened. You seized the opportunity, right? If you had locked in and you said, no, well, I said I was going to take a wide out here, so I'm going to take Calvin Ridley, that's a mistake. I don't I don't love taking two running backs to start drafts this year, but you know what? I'm going to do it if the opportunity presents itself because the reason why I don't love it is I don't think I can get Jonathan Taylor in that spot. So be as flexible as possible. Make sure your opponents pay for leaving value on the board. But at the same time, in the first three rounds, you do want to minimize risk. Okay, I understand taking Jonathan Taylor at like fifth overall is risky. Taking him in the second round is no longer risky, right? That's why I've been I've been leaning, and people have been giving me a lot of pushback on Aaron Jones at six, but honestly, I have fewer question marks with Aaron Jones at six than I would with Saquon Barkley there, than I would with Jonathan Taylor there. Now, if there were no question marks, if Quentin Nelson was okay, if Carson Wentz was okay, yes, Taylor would be ahead of Jones. If Saquon Barkley could guarantee me that he was good to go, like he is off of the the pup, the active pup, but if he was good to go and he's going to get all the touches in the world, okay, he'd be ahead of Jonathan Taylor too, but we don't have that. We have a little bit of risk. Now, I don't think that uh, if you miss on on a, one or two of your first couple picks that it's absolutely devastating. Sometimes people make these picks out to be like the absolute make or breaks. I don't think it's absolutely de- devastating. You can there were plenty of folks last year who won despite losing Christian McCaffrey who was their first overall pick. There were plenty of folks who won their leagues. It's not just about the drafting, it's about how you manage your roster. That being said, these are the most important picks. They are the highest value players. So I don't want to be hyper-aggressive here. I want to minimize as much risk as I as I possibly can in those first three rounds. Now, after that, I do want to prioritize high-ceiling players in the middle and late rounds. I don't want to draft the safe guys. I don't want David freaking Johnson. I don't want Emmanuel Sanders, like regardless of wherever they're going, right? I don't want these old head guys with lower ceilings. I want to grip it and rip it. I want to go after the highest possible ceiling guys I can in the middle and late rounds at running back and wide receiver. They may not hit, but if they hit, it's not going to be a single, right? It's going to be a freaking home run. So we have to go after the highest possible ceilings in the middle and late rounds at running back and wide receiver. Very, very, very crucial right there. Now, I do have some more tips obviously coming here. Next one up will be about running backs. In fact, the next two about running backs. But, of course, we will do that after we take a quick break. So I wanted to get back to the early rounds briefly here because this is something I've talked about numerous times in the build-up to fantasy football draft season in that I don't think you can get away from drafting a running back in the first round. So the piece of advice here on my draft day checklist that I, I tend to follow is drafting at least one top 10 fantasy running back. The nice thing is that even if you're at 12 in a 12-teamer, you're still going to be able to accomplish this very likely because it does look like now Devontae Adams is creeping into the first round, Travis Kelsey creeping into the first round, maybe even Tyreek Hill. So you're going to have one of those top 10 fantasy running backs at your disposal uh, in, in the first round. So depending on how you see it, well, here's how I see it. Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, 
Derrick Henry, Zeke. That's the top five. Aaron Jones, Jonathan Taylor, Saquon Barkley. That's the top eight. From there, it could be uh, Gibson, Chubb, uh, Najee Harris, maybe, maybe Austin Eckler. I mean, that's a top 12 for you right there. But I really think it probably should be Chubb and then Gibson rounding out that, that top 10, especially the recent news on Gibson. Getting one of those guys is a priority. I don't need two of those guys. It would be kind of cool if I got two of those guys. I wouldn't necessarily turn that down. But getting one of those guys, again, sort of minimizing the risk on the roster and really anchoring your roster with that RB1, I don't think it's necessary to to get another RB for a little while. And really, the way that my board has been uh, shaking out there's so much darn value at wide receiver in the second, third, fourth, fifth rounds that it, it you know it, it makes sense to wait at the position instead of attacking it in the running back dead zone. However, I don't want to wait forever because my next tip is to draft four running backs before round 10. Now, by the time we reach the end of the ninth round, current ADP data is saying about 45 running backs will be drafted. And just as, uh, you know, again, here, here's who, uh, ready for running back 46, 47, 48, Darrington Evans, Alexander Madison, Rashad Penny. So we are in hardcore handcuff territory by that point, which is not exactly where I want to be uh, scooping up guys. You know, I want to get guys within, if I'm going to get a handcuff, I want it to be like a more of a premium handcuff, like a Tony Pollard, like an A.J. Dillon, guys like that as opposed to the lesser premium handcuffs of the world. Uh, also, could you could be attacking some of these uh, committee situations if you think you have a good read on them. The Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones committee situation. The Zach Moss, Devin Singletary commission, uh, committee situation. Guys like that. Or even Gus Edwards, who's in a lesser end of a committee who has some premium handcuff value. Those types of players are going to be going, you know, round about rounds eight and nine. Uh, maybe even earlier for somebody like uh, Dylan. I've seen Dylan go in round seven. But if you start in round six or round seven to get that second running back, boom, boom, boom. You just want to make sure you have th- four of them before you hit uh, round 10. And it could be the fourth one comes in round 10, but really that's where I want to prioritize it. I don't want guys in the late, absolute late rounds. I don't want to be, ha- I don't want to have to draft the Philip Lindsay's of the world the Chuba Hubbards of the world, uh, the Damian Williams of the world. I don't want to have to be drafting those guys. Next up on my list, get a top eight tight end, but not a top three tight end. Yes, I know. Darren Waller, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle. It's awesome to have those guys, but it is going to cost you basically your firstborn child at this point. I do think Kelsey widely goes in the first round, and if he doesn't, he'll go in the early second. Waller will follow quickly after and then somebody invariably, just like when somebody yawns, once Waller is drafted, somebody drafts Kittle. It just, it always happens. Pitts is going a tad early for me in the fourth round, and I am seeing TJ Hawkinson occasionally in the fourth. If Hawkinson is there in the fifth round, I am sprinting up to the board to put his sticker up there. Otherwise, what I just ended up doing over the weekend is I got Mark Andrews at a nice value. If he falls, that's good. If it isn't Mark Andrews, it's Dallas Goddard. If it isn't Dallas Goddard, it's Logan Thomas. If it isn't Logan Thomas, then maybe it's Tyler Higby. Guys like that are essentially who I'm targeting. And I realize that's actually nine tight ends, but I'm fine with going to the ninth. If, if you miss out, you can still get Higby at a decent value. 
This is typically round six to eight that I'm targeting. So that's why I'm saying, like, I will go fifth round if, if Hawk is there and I'm in the right spot and there's not a, a more appealing wide out on the board. But typically I'm going six to eight. I don't see the uh, the advantage of prioritizing tight end because often when I do that, I end up too thin uh, everywhere else. It, it, the value cost is, is pretty darn high, especially for a onesie position. Next up, draft a high-ceiling option as your second tight end. Last year, it was TJ Hawkinson, right? Well, this year, late-round guys who I would be targeting, Adam Troutman if he's there, Irv Smith got a lot of upside, Evan Ingram as well uh, as an interesting option, and you can get him basically for free at the end of drafts. Next on the list, fade the top eight fantasy quarterbacks unless you're getting two rounds of value. I've said this numerous times. I'm not going to draft a middle-round quarterback unless I get two rounds of value. It doesn't matter how many points quarterbacks score in your league. It doesn't matter if it's a six-point passing touchdown league because you know what? Eventually, people in your league stop drafting quarterbacks. Jeff, they score a lot. It's six points per passing touchdown. Yeah, but they stop drafting quarterbacks, right? Which means value still falls down the board. So you're probably, you're not going to get it with Mahomes. You're not going to get it with Josh, Josh Allen. You're not going to get it with Kyler Murray. Two rounds of value, that is. The only quarterback I could potentially see it happening with, maybe two of them, maybe Rodgers, but I doubt it, or Russell Wilson. And I doubt it. I honestly doubt it. I don't see it happening, which means that we're going to go in the late rounds of the draft, and I'll talk about that in a second. Now, in two quarterback super flex leagues, I've talked about this many times before, I'm waiting until 10 quarterbacks are drafted before I grab my two quarterbacks, and I want two between 10 and 20, and then I want to grab my third after 24 are drafted. If you don't get a top eight quarterback draft, one safe, one upside. Safe and upside, here we go. Uh, safe options this year, Matt Ryan, Kirk Cousins, Baker Mayfield. Upside options, Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Those are kind of my prime guys. So I would pair Cousins and Burrow. If Burrow's already gone, Cousins and Lance, Baker and Lance. Doesn't have to be in that order. I just want to get one of each. That way I can swing for the fences with the upside and have the safe to get by just in case. And then, obviously, you're not going to win the league with the safe guy. You're going to have to work the wire from there. But every year, there's a Justin Herbert guy like that. Only draft a defense and a kicker if you're required by your league to do so. Okay? That is the last tip. If your league says you don't have to, don't draft a defense and kicker. Honestly, seriously, you do not need to draft the first defense off the board and make sure you're looking closely at who these defenses are playing in week one. Start streaming right away, honestly. Start streaming right away. So some prime examples, here are some defenses uh, that I would be looking at to stream for week one. The uh, 49ers, the Panthers, the Packers, they all have easy matchups and uh, they should be available. But only draft them if you need to and if if you need to, wait until the very end of your draft to draft them. You do not need the top kicker with the top defense. All right. There it is. The 10 things we want to accomplish in fantasy football drafts. Go check it out over at FTNFantasy.com. Use the promo code RATPACK to get a discount over there. At Jeff Ratcliffe on Twitter, at Jeff Ratcliffe on Instagram. And I will catch you on the flip side for another edition of the pod. I'm Jeff Ratcliffe, and I'm out.